Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I hope y'all are having a great day. I hope the weather is nice where you are. We, we have just gone through third winter in the south, and it looks like we're headed into third spring on the way to first summer. The phone number, should you wish to be a part of this program, 877-973-7425. You know what sucks about being the boss? I mean, because I'm, I'm the boss, and I, I really want to order one of these Mac studios because I want to go back to a desktop computer. But then I would have to, like, answer to the peons as to why I can't pay their salaries because I bought the new computer. And I'm thinking, eh, do I really need them? <laughs> oh, I really want the new Mac Studio. All right. One day. One day. Okay. We got stuff we got to talk about. I got to rearrange stuff. Stuff that I haven't gotten to that I wanted to get to. Uh, my buddy uh, Casey Maddox says this over at uh, the New York Post. It's a great starting point. Headline of the New York Post, uh, opinion piece by Casey Maddox, Americans feel less free, don't trust leaders post-COVID pandemic. For many Americans, March 11th, 2020 is the day the coronavirus started to feel like a real pandemic as our elected officials rushed to respond to the crisis. Two years later, Americans' views of their civil liberties and their confidence in public officials has taken a beating. A new poll conducted by YouGov and Americans for Prosperity has released ex- released exclusively to the Post reveals that Americans feel their core freedoms are less secure than before the pandemic. This is true often by substantial margins. 42% feel less secure about voicing their opinions. feel less secure about their freedom to protest. 36% feel less secure about their freedom to exercise religious beliefs. This is bad news for our foundational rights. Even if our rights remain on solid legal ground, the perception they are not can cause us to think twice about speaking up. It's also bad news for our public officials. While a healthy skepticism of government power is wise in a democracy, In a true crisis, public officials must make snap decisions to protect the public. Whether people follow those decisions depends in part on their confidence in the leaders making them. Unfortunately, when asked about every single institution or office in the YouGov AFP poll, the majority of respondents said their trust in those institutions has dropped. Nearly three in five Americans said the government did a somewhat or very poor job clearly communicating to the public about data or reasoning regarding any pandemic restriction or requirement. And 54% thought government officials did a somewhat or very poor job applying any restrictions or requirements to all people. It's true. We have an epidemic of distrust now. You know, look at the biolab situation in Russia, for example, because I have heard from a number of you, and the position is, well, I just don't believe anybody. Okay. If you don't believe anybody, well, then let it go. But but there are people who are obsessed with the biolabs. But the number of people who are choosing to embrace the people who dispute the conventional wisdom in all cases is on the rise. And I understand why given how much the conventional wisdom gets wrong, except a lot of times the dissenters and the naysayers, they get stuff wrong as well. Like, for example, 
Several of you, and I got to be careful here because some of you get offense and think I'm talking directly about you when I'm really not because I get this from so many people, but at several of you, so less than a dozen, more than half dozen of you, when I did a segment on the Russian biolabs and their history and what they are, what they actually are, all of that, reached out and said, well, then why is Russia holding a hearing at the UN about those bioweapons labs? Why are they asking for a resolution or a UN investigation or, or a talk at the UN on them? Well, because the Russians have been offering a resolution about denazification since they invaded Ukraine in 2014. The Russians like to have pretext to advance their cause. They like to try to shape the narrative. And what's happening is they're trying to shape a narrative now claiming that these are bioweapons laboratories in Ukraine. And a lot of people say, well, I just, I don't trust the United States government's denial. So does that mean you trust Vladimir Putin instead? Well, I don't trust, I don't trust anybody. Well, if you don't trust anybody, uh, then, then stay out of the conversation. If you, if you can't form an opinion based on either side, and everyone seems to form an opinion, and usually the people who say they don't trust anyone tend to trust the people no one should trust. But then how can you trust the people who should be trusted? Because we should all acknowledge the federal government has done a terrible job these last couple of years. There is a reason Anthony Fauci has disappeared into the witness protection program, and it has nothing to do with the fact the public is ready to move on from COVID. In fact, it has a lot to do with the fact that people no longer trust Anthony Fauci because Anthony Fauci has contradicted himself so many times and has now dogmatically taken positions that, that defy belief. The TSA continuing to mask in airports for another month when it's completely unnecessary at this point, particularly on airplanes. And now there's this from the Washington Post, came out today. These schools did less to contain COVID. Their students did better. Surprise from Monument, Colorado. As school systems around the country were battening down there for their first remote start of school in the fall of 2020, the Lewis Palmer District here was embarking on another kind of experiment. Elementary students would be in class full-time, sitting maskless at communal tables. The band program would resume in-person classes, saxophonists and flutists playing a few feet apart. The high school football team would practice and compete. While most of the nation kept schools or students at home for part or all of the last academic year, these schools in the suburbs of Colorado Springs, like thousands of others around the country, opened with the overwhelming majority of students in their seats. Masks were optional in elementary school. Although middle and high schoolers began with hybrid learning in November, high school-age students with significant special education needs were back in person five days a week. In New York, Los Angeles, D.C., and Chicago, teachers' unions and concerned parents fought against reopening. Yet, in these school districts, typically small ones in conservative-leading counties, they stayed open. And overall, results for standardized tests show that the average student in places like Lewis Palmer made gains in reading. While they lost ground in math, they performed better than the average Coloradan. SAT scores remained steady. In other words, the schools in conservative parts of the country that remained open in defiance of the teachers' unions, the left and Dr. Fauci, the schools that remained open, the kids did better.
could have told you that was going to happen. I could have told you. My kids went to school. Oh, well, sure, the, the governor of the state of Georgia shut the state down for a month, for one month, for 30 days, so that hospitals could beef up supplies. And then he reopened it. He was attacked by Donald Trump. He was attacked by the media. He was attacked by Republicans and Democrats alike. Stacey Abrams campaigned against him because he reopened the state. How many people were going to die because he reopened the state after just a month? And he did. He he opened the state sooner than Ron DeSantis opened Florida back up after the shutdown. And he made it very clear the only reason he was shutting down for 30 days was so hospitals could build up supplies and they could help with work with the National Guard to deal with, if they needed ventilators, how to route them back and forth to hospitals expeditiously to make sure that, that every part of the state was covered. It took him a month to get the game plan going. He flipped the switch. The state was back open. He was thoroughly condemned by everyone, and it worked. Kids in Georgia, where I am, went back to school and outperform other people in blue states that stayed shut down. There were a couple of months of remote learning in Georgia for most people. Not everybody. Some people, the schools just reopened and they went back. And then starting in August of 2020, the kids all went back to school and they wore masks in the upper grades, but they were there in person learning. And in 2021, they went back to school with no masks and it worked. And they chose to do what was common sense in school and they chose to listen to the science. They didn't listen to the crazy but they didn't listen to the government per se. They used the CDC guidelines, but they weren't overzealous. I mean, the science has always been that kids are the least impacted by COVID, so there's no reason for them to mask up. And the school districts that actually did that, that followed the science, their kids are performing. I, I, it's only going to be a matter of time within the next 10 years that the left starts demanding we bail out or give some subsidy to the kids who teachers unions made sit out school for two years. It's only going to be a matter of time before the left demands some sort of bailout for their decisions. But this is why nobody trusts the government. It's, it's frustrating to me that there is so much distrust out there. And the way the distrust happens is what, what I see over and over again. Let, let's take the biolabs in, in Russia is they take a kernel of truth and they twist it. They, they start adding little bits that aren't true. And, and the, you've, you've got to fight back and say, no, this isn't true and here's why. And, and, but, aha, but you admit it. Like, like for example, um, it, what, what are the claims about the biolabs that's being made in certain media outlets? Is that they're studying anthrax and that anthrax is a bioweapon. And when you admit, yes, they're studying anthrax, but there's also oh, you're admitting it. So the Russians are telling the truth. Well, not exactly. They're mischaracterizing it. There's a tick that exists in Ukraine. And that tick infects pigs in Ukraine with anthrax. And they're studying this particular variant of anthrax in these biolabs. Why? Because they want to have healthy pigs for food supply in Europe. So you kind of need to study it. And would you prefer they bring the anthrax back to this country or leave it where they found it? 
but people pick up on the little bits and pieces and oh, well, why is this happening? Well, why is this happening? And they want to connect dots and, and lines like the, I mean, the crazy meme of the guy with all the strings and stuff. And there are people who are so burned out on trusting the government because the government has so abused its trust that they're willing to believe these other people. And they say, well, I don't believe anybody. When you confirm, no, you really are believing somebody. And I understand why you're believing that person, but maybe that person has an agenda as well. We have a disparity of truth, and it's coming out of the polling. Kudos to Americans for Prosperity for picking up on this. And this is bad for us because if you can't believe the government, (laughs) I know, I can't believe I just said that. But if you can't believe the government, legitimately, if you can't believe the institutions of government, and I'm not talking about the political leaders. If you can't believe the institutions of government that are supposed to be above politics, uh, your breakdown of trust erodes so quickly, it does allow a heavy hand to creep in. Freedom exists among a responsible people, and a responsible people tend to be equipped with the tools and knowledge to be able to ferret out the BS. And Americans as a whole do a very good job of ferreting out the BS. Social media, however, has amplified the BS artists who prey on the vulnerable people who lack the tools to be able to separate out the BS. And in many cases, they get some things right. I mean, if, if, if you go out to out west and you go to Vegas and, and you gamble, you know, you can go on a, you can go on a streak. If you're at the craps table, you can go on a roll where you, you're just throwing and making people money and then you hit seven and you wipe people out. And sometimes the BS artists, they go on a streak as well where they're, they're guessing a lot of stuff right and then they get a few things wrong and it blows up their entire case, but they cling to the things that they got right and hope you forget the things they got wrong. The government is doing the same thing. There's no difference between the con artists and the government right now, except the government has the IRS to come throw you in jail for not paying your taxes. And the con artist has nothing but a Twitter account and they get banned. And then the people who support the con artists like, ah, they must have been telling the truth. They've been censored. We have a real problem with trust in the United States. So bad right now. So many people are getting played and they're going to get abused. And a lot of people are going to lose money as well in the coming economic problems that we're having. A lot of people are going to get played by these loud voices and they just don't have the skills to be able to navigate who's telling the truth or they just decide not to trust anybody. And they don't put their money anywhere in these trying economic times and and, and they squander it. And I don't know that anyone really has a a sense of what to do, except I I would say this one thing. The great solution to this at government and in the bureaucracy and the so-called deep state is exercise a little freaking humility and admit you got stuff wrong. When people are willing to admit they got it wrong, you tend to be able to trust them more because you know they're going to tell you when they got it wrong. And nobody in government, particularly Dr. Fauci, ever wants to admit they got anything wrong. And that just causes more and more distrust. And that leads us further and further away from the ability to exercise our rights in a way that really keep us free. I sleep well at night under bowl and branch sheets. And I need to tell you, My family, we were customers before I started endorsing them. It's what I like to do. I like to be familiar with the product and like it. And I love the Bull & Branch sheets. One of the reasons I love them is because they are super soft sheets. (laughs) I got to say that word right. But they've got a little weight to them. So so you feel somewhat more snuggled. Like I've got some uh, sheets that came with the new mattress and they're so light it's like there's nothing on top of you, and I can't sleep well with them because they're – I mean, it's just – and then they bunch up the, – the man, the satiny soft feel of the Bull and Branch sheets, it makes a real big difference. Listen, 
you've got so many options out there right now. You could go to a department store. You have so many options, but there's no reason to because with Bowling Branch, you get high-quality sheets. They've got a great thread count. They're perfect. They've got plenty of color options. You sleep well under them because they're soft and they're durable and they've got a little bit of weight, the perfect amount of weight for a sheet. Now, I want you to go out there and order Bolin Branch sheets because they are comfortable. You got, I mean, they're environmentally friendly. They're built around sustainability, and you got quality that lasts. You know, a lot of the companies that advertise all the environmentally friendly stuff, their sheets don't last. I can tell you, my bowl and branch sheets have lasted a long time, and they get softer over time. Experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I want to go back to the phones. Brian, you're going to be up next on the Eric Erickson Show. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I've got, it's actually kind of two questions that roll into the same. Um, I couldn't find the answer to, so I was hoping you might be able to help explain it. Uh, the first question is, what exactly does it mean to be sanctioned? So they tell us that, that they're seizing the assets of, of certain people, Putin himself, some of the Russian oligarchs, things like that. Does seizing their assets mean we're taking them away from them or we're just going to hold them for a certain period of time until we give it back to them? Uh, yeah, the it, it, so typically what it means is that um, you're, you're locked out of your accounts if you're sanctioned. Uh, it depends on the way the sanctions are formed. You're, you're typically locked out of your accounts. Uh, you can't get in. Uh, the money's not allowed to flow th- freely back to you. Um, that's uh, the financial sanctions. The trade and economic sanctions mean you're not allowed to buy from uh, the country sanctioning you or you're not allowed to sell to them. Okay, so so the, the financial sanction on, on the individuals like the Russian oligarchs, I just, my, my other question was, why couldn't we, because I'm seeing um, humanitarian relief. We've got it coming out of Congress. We've got uh, money being passed. We've got Red Cross and other organizations that are also um, taking donations for it. And nobody's going to argue that it's not needed. It's very obviously needed. My question is, why can't we use the assets seized by the people that caused the humanitarian crisis and force them to pay for the relief? Um, we may wind up doing that. However, uh, part of the problem here in, in Western countries in particular is you can't confiscate a lot, all of the property permanently, uh, without actually putting these people on trial because it's still their money. You can freeze their bank accounts because they're, they're foreigners. So you can prevent the money from flowing to them, but you can't just uh, do a civil asset forfeiture, uh, without a process, which hasn't been done now. Uh, in the, the situation with, for example, um, the Russia directly or with Vladimir Putin, they may be able to do that, but some of the Russian oligarchs, they can't uh, unless they go through a process of of making them forfeit their money altogether. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if they try to do that in some of the cases. Uh, Britain has done this in the past, for example. Uh, the, the wife of the head of the Bank of Azerbaijan, uh, several years ago, had her money um, taken, confiscated, uh, because she couldn't explain where she uh, where she got it from. Essentially, Britain has a law where if you make a ton of money and you can't show how you make that money, they can take the money from you, and they redirected it. Um, um, I'm. It appears that uh, oh, 
Oh, it looks like Freddie Freeman is leaving the Braves. It looks like it. Possibly. Um, word is going out. I'm starting to get texts from people that it, it looks like something is up. And this is deeply, deeply troubling um, that that would be the case. But it appears I it's kind of taken this long. Um, the AJC has a report out that um, there's they're not saying anything right now. But it looks like it. And I really want Freddie Freeman to stay with the Braves. We'll be back. Hello there. Yeah, I, I mean, I realize not all of you are Braves fans, but uh, the Braves have traded for Matt Olson uh, with the Oakland Athletics. He's a f- uh, first baseman. Freddie Freeman's a first baseman, so it appears he may be going. You know, uh, several friends of mine who are deeply analytical when it comes to baseball says this is a good thing because uh, it frees up. Freddie wanted a lot of money, and this frees them up to bring in uh, younger players, uh, and rebuild the team. Uh, but Freddie Freeman's Freddie Freeman. He should retire a brave. Nonetheless, uh, we move on. This isn't a sports show, but it is a news show. And this, this is news and we need to focus on that news. However depressing it may be. Uh, now we need to talk. I, you know, I may need to get my buddy Chris Wilson to come on at some point. He's a pollster. He's a very, very good pollster. Uh, he does a lot of his polling is not the public polling. Uh, Chris Wilson does the behind the scenes uh, polling that candidates actually rely on. That's actually good. And I should probably get him on the program at some point to talk about it. But he's got a Twitter thread up on some of the latest polling. Uh, and this comes after a CBS poll about Joe Biden. Uh, that essentially says uh, the public isn't even happy with the president on Ukraine. Uh, 77% of Americans support sanctions on Russian oil and gas. 63% support it even if prices go up. But a majority of Americans uh, think that Joe Biden has not done enough and is not happy with his handling of Ukraine. Uh, 54% believe that his handling of Russia and Ukraine was not good. Uh, 52% believe he's not been strong enough. 12% believe he's been too strong. And they really don't like Biden's approval overall, 43%. So Chris, uh, my buddy Chris Wilson has this thread. Let me just give you this. Uh, From the Wall Street Journal polling in the past week, 57% disapprove of Biden's job performance. 50% say inflation's their top issue. 63% disapprove of Biden's handling of inflation. From ABC, 70% disapprove of Biden's handling of gas prices and 70% disapprove of his handling of inflation. From CBS, 62% disapprove of Biden's handling of the economy. 69% disapprove of Biden's performance on inflation. 63% want to increase oil production as prices rise. The Democrats are doing everything they can to blame Vladimir Putin for oil prices, but people intuitively understand that uh, it's Biden has a lot to do with this. I, I want to play you this audio. This is uh, Jonathan Carl's exchange with Heidi Heitkamp, former Democratic senator, on ABC uh, This Week with George Stephanopoulos talking about prices and inflation. You always blame the party in power. 
Um, and, and, you know, the, the, the administration wasn't aggressive enough, in my opinion, in pushing back on the red herrings. The red herrings like, it's because you didn't build the Keystone XL pipeline. And I remind them one of the first things Donald Trump did was give the permit. And in four years, the pipeline didn't get built. Why not? Because it wasn't, it wasn't economical to build that pipeline in those price points. What, they, they argue that this is because of inflation, runaway inflation. Who drove up inflation? We saw the CBO numbers this week. It was the Trump administration that overspent and drove up inflation. So if inflation in prices and housing and in gas is because of deficit spending, that's Trump's fault. And so the administration has not been nearly aggressive enough Although to explain what's actually going on. Although, if you look at the numbers, uh, inflation really started to rise almost exactly when, when, when Biden came in the White House. Now, now yeah, obviously, well, that, that argues uh, my point, uh, doesn't it? But, 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 but look, look, at the, look at this chart on gas prices uh, just since February. If, if you look at the, I mean, it's, it, is a, it is a shocking increase that, do, you know, doesn't can, correspond. Can, can I just say, that is yeah. an artificially low price that you're starting from. And when you do inflation adjustment, this isn't the highest price we've had in the last 20 years. In fact, George Herb Walker Bush and under the George Bush administration, we had gas prices inflation adjusted over $5. But, it, but we're shocked because we got used to $2 gas. Yep. And, also, and that's the problem. I also think it's worth recognizing, and there was a great Fox News piece from actually 2008 <laughs> that noted that the president has markedly little control of what gas prices are. There is no big no cheap gas button in the Oval Office. And if there were, somebody would have pushed but, it. But, but it is always a political issue. It always is. It's a massive every responsibility. Time. Man, listen to them. Listen, that they know there's nothing they can do to improve the situation for Biden. And the best thing they can do is try to deflect. I love the inflation adjusted. Actually, in 2008, or during George H.W. Bush in 91, inflation adjusted gas is actually higher. <laughs> you know, some parts of this country are paying over $5 a gallon right now in today dollars. Even even taking into account inflated dollars from 1991 in the Gulf of War uh, that brought those up to in inflation-adjusted dollars. But we're also dealing with inflation now. We're also dealing with the inflation that we didn't have back then. And as Jonathan Carl pointed out, inflation started almost exactly when Biden took office. So he's going to get the blame for it. Presidents love to take credit for great economies. They love to take credit for great economies. And they have to take the blame when things go down. They do. And it, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to me to watch the Democrats essentially screaming about life not being fair right now in all of this. No, life is not fair. Life is not fair. But also, you guys have been setting these policies for some time, and these policies have a lot to do with what's going on right now. The supply chain issues, they're not just COVID-related anymore. We've moved beyond COVID, although China is still dealing with it. We'll get to we'll get to some of that, but I mean let, let me read you the, the part of this. Uh, Ford to ship and sell Explorer SUVs with missing chips. This is just mind blowing to me. So um, uh, Ford is going to start selling uh, Ford Explorers 
without the chips that power rear air conditioning and heating controls. So they're going to ship the missing chips to dealers within the next year, and customers will be able to bring their cars in and get the chips added. So you'll still be able to control the heating and air conditioning from the front seat, but if you have one of those Ford Explorers where you control the heat and air from the back seat, it's not actually going to work. And the reason for shipping and selling partially built vehicles is because otherwise they can't fill orders right now. They got to make some sort of compromise on this. It's just remarkable we're here at this point, and we weren't here. We weren't here when Donald Trump was in office. This this wasn't happening when Trump was in office. And the Democrats can say, well, it's because of COVID. It's because of supply chains. It's because of long-running problems. Joe Biden's been president since January 20th of last year. Remember, Pete Buttigieg took a leave of office for over a month, and no one even knew. You've even got Bill Maher out there on this stuff. This is Bill Maher from HBO's Real Time. I'm on his show occasionally. The guy is on the left, and yet listen to him. But if Putin thought Trump was really that supportive of him, why didn't he invade when Trump was in office? It's at least worth asking that question if you're not locked into one intransigent thought. It's just, it's, it's amazing. This is this is what's happened with the left. And it, it's just, it's, wow. It's remarkable. And you know what else is to blame now, according to Joe Biden? Uh, COVID in Taiwan. As I said, I grew up in a family where the price of gas went up. Everybody felt it. You talked about it. It mattered. It mattered. But let's be absolutely clear about why prices are so high right now. They're very high for two reasons, notwithstanding what the Republicans say. COVID, number one. What happened was, the, if the, the way the global economy works... If a factory in Taiwan makes computer chips, shuts down because of COVID, it causes a ripple effect that can slow down the manufacturing in Detroit, which it did. The ripple effects. Okay, so here's the thing. If we're intellectually honest, yeah, there's something to that. If we're intellectually honest, there, there is something to the ripple effects. It's like, what, what is it from Jurassic Park that the, the butterfly flapping its wings in Japan causes the hurricane? The butterfly effect? Yeah, there's something to that. But there are also dampeners you can put into the economy that help mitigate the ripples. And the Biden administration didn't do this. And they can say, well, it started under Trump. That's fine, but you can't blame Trump for everything. You can't blame Trump for everything. And yet the Biden administration, that that's what they're doing. They're hoping that people hate Donald Trump so much that they can still argue and blame Donald Trump for everything. They can't. It is not possible at this point because Donald Trump has been gone for a while. Consider this. Go back to the polling. And some of you sent me hate mail for just telling you what the poll said. Calm you down. The Wall Street Journal polling on Friday that came out. If the 2024 election were held, Joe Biden would beat Donald Trump by two points. But by five points, Americans want Republicans to be in charge of Congress. Why? 
Americans got weary of Donald Trump. They prefer him not to come back. They don't like Joe Biden. They're both in their 40s. It's like a 40 to 42 race. Trump at 40, Biden at 42. Imagine you bring in a fresh-faced Republican. uh, uh, Someone would clean up the clock, clean clean Biden's clock. But regardless of that, look at that. By six percentage points, people want Republicans in charge of Congress. Now, why can that be? It's because... Voters do not connect Republicans to Donald Trump. Have you noticed how the media has gone quiet on January 6th all of a sudden? With Ukraine, they've gone quiet on COVID as well. They've gone quiet on all this stuff. Why are they focusing on Ukraine? Because it's one area where the public tends to rally around the flag and they might, might like Joe Biden just a little bit more over over Ukraine. They've given up on January 6th for right now. They're having a real hard time tying Republicans to Donald Trump. They failed. And that's the issue. Ultimately, that's the issue. Donald Trump is not the future of the GOP. You may really like him. Don't mean this disparagingly. But he's in his 70s. He'll be about Joe Biden's age if he were to run again. And if he ran again, he could only get four more years constitutionally. He couldn't get eight years. He's not the future of the GOP. The media would love for him to be, and they've spent the last year trying to tie him to every Republican, and it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. With the exception of the YouGov poll, uh, for the congressional generic ballot. And man, now that I've seen how they've done it, no wonder it's so wackadoo. It's like an online poll of Democrats. But every other poll has the Republicans now leading the generic ballot, despite all the Democratic efforts. And it's because Joe Biden owns this economy now. He owns inflation. He owns the economy. He owns the bad. You can't blame Trump. The public put Trump in a category all by himself. The media told them to do it and the people listened that Donald Trump was unique, and people expected it, people understood it, people embraced it. He was unique. You can't lump all the Republicans in with him. And now the Democrats are like, but Trump, but Trump, but Trump, but Trump, he's not there anymore. You can't blame him now. You got rid of him. And now you got to own it. And they don't want to own it. The fact of the matter is, all the data shows, inflation didn't happen until Biden became president. That's on Joe Biden's watch, not Donald Trump's. Hello there. You know what? If if anything else, our economic times that we're in right now, uh, at least might help you on your diet. Doritos is cutting the number of chips in each bag uh, due to inflation. Uh, they told the news outlet Quartz, inflation is hitting everyone. We took just a little bit out of the bag so we can keep giving people the same price. Um, and Wheat Thins has 28 fewer crackers, and then Bounty is cutting three sheets from each roll of paper towels. Uh, last week I read that Charmin was cutting the number of pieces of toilet paper in toilet paper. And they're, so they're keeping the same packaging, largely the same branding and all that. They don't want you to know that they're cutting stuff out. At least 
Doritos is being open with it. Now, if they could just shrink the giant pack of double stuffed Oreos just a little bit, just a little bit, it would help me a lot. Y'all, I'm, I'm sorry. I love Oreos. I've always loved Oreos. When I was a kid, I got in trouble because my grandmother found me. This one, uh, double stuffed Oreos came out when I was a kid. It used to just, I don't understand people who buy just regular Oreos. Nobody's buying the Oreo for the cookie. They're buying it for the filling. And when I was a kid, I got in trouble with my grandmother because I was eating the filling out of the Oreos and throwing the cookie away. And she found it. That's when I learned I had to go outside to eat the Oreos where she wouldn't find the cookies. <laughs> But all this stuff is shrinking now because of inflation. We have not seen this. I got to say, uh, so I want to play this audio for you. This is Elizabeth Warren uh, talking about crypto in Russia. Actually, um, we're talking with Republicans about it. I've got good support right now on both sides. I am hopeful that in a time like this, in a moment of crisis, that we will give the Treasury Department the tools it needs not just to do through the formal banking system, which they've already done, but to patch the hole in that bucket so that the oligarchs can't say, okay, I can't get to the formal banking system, but they turn around and go through the crypto system. By the way, same point with Russia itself. Remember, Putin may be looking to crypto in order to finance much of his war machine. Three quarters of all of the uh, ransomware attacks, money, goes through Russia right now. So they want to they want to restrict and, and regulate crypto and, and be able to block it. You know, I've, you know, I was telling my team this morning, I've, I've never had gold ads on the show because gold is an asset. Uh, a lot of people use it as an inflation hedge, but we've never really been in an economic time where I thought we needed, uh, where I needed to be telling people to buy gold. I'm starting to think, I mean, given what Canada did, listen, uh, if they could, they have, were suspended trade accounts for crypto. In Europe, they are now blocking the ability of people to use Bitcoin ATM machines. I just think all the people pouring their money into into Bitcoin and stuff as hedges inflation, maybe it's time to start buying a little gold. Uh, get around the stuff because you you can show up at a pawn shop at least and trade in some gold and and get some cash out of it. You can't do that with Bitcoin. I just uh, I'm I'm skeptical of of crypto. I am, and I got a lot of friends. Almost all of them are men under forty five who love them some Bitcoin, uh, and they're all uh, libertarian anarchists that they want to be able to survive, but. I mean, you're not getting rid of government, whether you want to think about it or not. And government is more likely to get rid of crypto than crypto is to get rid of government. And if the government's blocking your transactions in your country for crypto, good luck getting it. Uh, at least a bar of gold, I can take it to a pawn shop and get some cash or something in the future. But, I mean, they are literally, Elizabeth Warren is rattling bipartisan support to shut down crypto exchanges uh, from doing trading in Russia. Uh, some will say that's impossible, but... I don't think it is, given the way this stuff is consolidating. Um, I don't think crypto, at least as it exists right now, the underlying technology is amazing, but as it exists right now, I'm not so sure. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. 
reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.